What's going on, guys? So in today's podcast, I am going to dive straight into a very, very entertaining and uh, exciting Thursday night football game. I know I haven't done just a sole podcast episode breaking down one singular game for a few weeks now, but I figure this Seattle-Arizona game qualifies as one that I think will be interesting enough for enough people to kind of take a deep dive into. So I did a bunch of deep diving today and this morning, and I found out a few interesting things about this game, and I, I'm uh, excited to kind of go over them with you. So the betting line in this game is uh, obviously the game's in Seattle. The last one was in Arizona. So these teams played three and a half weeks ago, I think it was. So that's that's interesting. Four weeks ago if you're going by NFL weeks, but you get it. Seattle is a three-point favorite. The over-under is 57 and a half. So that's a high over-under, but these teams seem like you know, that that's a reasonable bet for them to cover. So um, that's not the craziest over under. In all honesty, if it was 61, I think people would still be tempted to take the over. But um, we all know Seattle has issues on the defensive side of the ball, right? They're not very good. They give up like way more passing yards than literally everyone else. Um, they, you know, they, they haven't been very good. They give up a lot of points and they're fourth in points against them. And, you know, in terms in a bad way. Right. So I guess that would be technically 28th. But what I think that and this is something I've kind of been harping on all year or at least for, you know, half the year. Or so this defense, even though they have issues and I'm not calling them a good defense, but what they are is a defense that they challenge you. They're competitive as hell. They take that Pete Carroll compete, compete, compete thing and, and they, they take it very literally. So I've seen them in many games this year get beat like for example the Dallas game as early as that game where they were basically getting they were giving up a ton of points right they gave up you know Dak had like 400 yards and a bunch of points but every single play almost you know obviously there's some where they just get torched but every play was challenged right so they will challenge you and it's it's like you have to execute well against them and um in order to dominate them but they can be dominated when you look back at the amount of points they allowed and the yards and things like that but it's like every play is a challenge so there's at least that and what happens because of that is well for starters they're good against the run okay let me just say that real quick they're fourth against the run they only allow 95 yards a game and just 3.7 yards per carry and what i was getting at is when they challenge every single play that leads to plays that they win on Right. If you're if you're right there, it's like you're playing your big brother all the time and you're you're right there. You almost beat him. You're, you're at that point where you're almost beating him in one on one basketball or whatever it is. And then, you know, what happens is every now and then you win a rep big time. And that's what they do. They have the fifth most interceptions in the NFL at nine and they have the 10th most sacks at uh, 22. They're actually tied with Arizona in that regard. But like, I just wanted to say that and kind of just emphasize that because I know everybody thinks their defense just sucks, but it's not like they're complete, you know, pushovers. They they compete their asses off. They're just not quite good enough to stop um, good offenses. So uh, on a consistent basis, but they can. And the reason I think this is important is because they can win a uh, they can get a big stop when they randomly need it because they just are so competitive they just randomly get these big stops or make these big plays in a lot of times in big moments like the Patriots game, you know, of course the Dallas game, they didn't, you know, they weren't like getting a bunch of pressure on Dak Prescott. And then all of a sudden they sacked him, I think twice um, on the final drive, you know, so just things like that where they, they constantly, 
you know, in games that they've won, their defense has made at least one to three, four, five plays in that game where it was like, that was huge, right? And so they're an interesting puzzle to figure out. I think they're a defense that will that will get better as the season goes on. And um, I don't ever think they'll be a great defense, at least in 2020, but just that's just my perspective on their defense. And I think that's important because it's accurate, number one, factually accurate. Um, and if you just really look at them closely, that's kind of what they've been. Now, I will say on the on the Jamal Adams note, he's been relatively disappointing. You know what I mean? And, and it's not really his fault, in my opinion. The way that they're using him is just so weird. You would think that you could just kind of put any athlete in that role. And obviously, you're not going to get the same level of production as Jamal, but you know, an athletic um, safety and and kind of use him that same way and get something near, right? Not, not, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Jamal here. I'm just saying it's weird the way that they're using him. I, I thought they were going to use him more like Cam Chancellor, you know what I mean? Or, or maybe a little Cam, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, how they use both of those guys, kind of a, a mixture of that, but they haven't really. They just kind of, they love, they love bringing him on the blitz. And part of that is because of their ineffectiveness as a pass rushing unit, right? They don't have guys that necessarily can win consistently up front. So they kind of supplement it with Jamal Adams, which to me is just very strange. Like I would have rather given up a third round pick for Yannick Ngakwe, you know, or re-sign Jadeveon Clowney, you know, instead of giving up the, the crazy amount of compensation. But that's a side note. We will keep it moving. All right. So one of the things here is, look, we know Russell Wilson hasn't been playing well. He might be on the worst turnover stretch of his career. So he's had, in the 2018 and 2019 seasons, Russell turned the ball over a combined, I'm talking full all, total turnovers, touchdown, I mean, uh, interceptions and fumbles, 16 times. He's turned it over 12 times in the last six games. Like, that's that's insane. You know, six games is, is like 40% of the season. And we're saying he's had almost the same amount of turnovers as he had the, for the 2018 and 2019 seasons. That's 32 games. You know, so that's wild. I, I, you don't expect that from Russell Wilson because he's a guy that really has always taken care of the ball. His first three games, he's completed 70 or he completed 76.7% of his passes, 308 yards a game. He literally averaged 4.7 touchdowns per game and threw just one interception and averaged nine yards attempt. So that's what he did over the first three weeks. Over the last six games, his completion percentage has dropped by 10 points. Yards, he's actually throwing for three more yards per game, but he's throwing for literally half of the touchdowns, which obviously you're going to have some regression when you're averaging 4.7 pass touchdowns per game. But now he's throwing 2.3 per game. And then instead of the one total interception, he has he's averaging one and a half picks per game and has also lost three fumbles in that in that stretch so and also just 7.5 yards per attempt so his yards per attempt are down by a yard and a half which is a pretty significant drop off so um it's very interesting and in my theory on this and obviously a lot of the analytics community is is going to disagree with me here but i think it's because when you pass the ball and you're a one-dimensional offense opposing pass rushes you don't you don't make it difficult for them. Like they know we have to stop Russ. They're not worried about, especially since Carson went out, they're not worried about the run, at least with the running backs, right? Russell's been doing a lot of the they're running for them on scrambles lately. But 
you know, just that's my kind of take on it is that they need to help him out more. They need to have more of a balanced approach. And I think that they will because Pete Carroll was kind of like got caught up in the whole let Russ cook phenomenon. And uh, it was going really well the first three games. But I think that was because teams were still very aware that Seattle at any moment could turn into a 40 plus runs per game kind of team. And and most of their damage lately on the ground in the past few years especially last year and the year before was really with their running backs. So <clears throat> you had them, excuse me, going into this season, opposing defenses are thinking we have to stop the run. Like that was Seattle. Right. And then the whole Russ let Russ cook thing was happening. It was working. So it, and it was also working mainly because, or in part, because like I'm saying, you you're looking at favorable matchups one-on-one you're, you're not seeing a bunch of two deep looks, you know what I mean? So the, 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 the pass was there. Well, what we're seeing now is the adjustment has been made to that, and I expect Pete Carroll and, and company now to adjust back to a more balanced attack. So I think Seattle, I know Chris Carson is actually out in this game. I was hoping he played, but I expect them to look to run the ball more this game. I don't know who that will be with, but I expect them to look to have a more balanced attack. The Arizona defense, they are actually surprisingly good. And in many areas, I wanted to just touch on these with you real quick. They're seventh in yards per pass attempt allowed at just 6.9. They're 10th in passer rating allowed. So they they allow the 10th lowest passer rating. They're ninth in points per game allowed. And this one shocked me because you don't think of them as you think of them as always in these high scoring games. Now, they allow 23.3 points per game. But in the in the 2020 season, that's good for ninth. Right. So that's pretty, pretty impressive, um, even though it doesn't seem if I say, oh, they allow 23 a game. You're like, oh, it's, that's decent. Right. But it's actually ninth. So um, they are the third best red zone defense in the NFL when it comes to touchdowns um, allowed per red zone trip, which is 51.6 percent of the time. So basically only half the time you get in the red zone against them. That's inside the 20. Only half the time teams score touchdowns. So that's really good. They're the ninth best third down defense at allowing only 38.9%. They're tied for ninth in interceptions at eight. They're tied for 10th in sacks with Seattle at 22 sacks. Um, they Here's where they, they are vulnerable. And another reason why I believe that the Seahawks are going to try and run the ball more is they're 17th against the run. So it's not like they're bad, but they, uh, they allow four and a half yards of carry. So it's not, it's not a great, you know, run defense in Seattle. Last game actually ran 30 times for 200 yards and a touchdown. So that's interesting. That's 6.7 yards per carry. And then lastly, um, Arizona has the seventh most tackles for loss this season with 47. And they have already had their bye week. So that is uh, those are some pretty impressive defensive statistics that honestly kind of made me look at them a little bit differently. The defense is better than I gave it credit for. So. Um, I'm glad I took this deep dive so I can kind of realize, hey, you know, they're they're not a bad unit. I mean, they're they're not great up front, and that's why they, you know, give up 4.5 yards of carry. And and uh, I think without Chandler Jones, their threat as a being able to get home without a blitz kind of thing will will obviously is less. But nonetheless, they're still a pretty good defense. And so back to their last meeting, right? The Three and a half weeks ago, four weeks ago, if you want to, Kyler Murray attempted 48 passes. 
and he was only pressured five times. And that was from that's via Pro Football Reference. I actually saw on Next Gen Stats, I think it was, that he only was pressured one time. So, and he was not sacked at all. So, like, however, you know, you decipher that, basically, he was not pressured very often, if at all. You know, so that's that's pretty impressive. And then um, 10 up here. Here's a I think is a very, very, very no one's really going to talk about this because it's just um, it takes a little bit of deep diving combined with film. Like I watched this whole game when it happened from start to finish. So I have, you know, I had that kind of that to reference these stats with. And it really, I think, made a big difference for me in just my perception of this game, because Obviously, I can't break down every single game every single week on film and statistically. So um, this the fact that I actually saw this game from start to back helps in this case, because now I'm doing all the, the stat work on it. So Kyler, when it came to he ran the ball 14 times. Right. So you think like, you know, he obviously was awesome as a runner. And that's, you know, partly true. He had 14 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. But. On design runs, he ran for just um, he ran 10 times for 32 yards on designed runs. So just 3.2 yards a carry. That's actually incredibly good defense by Seattle um, in that regard. It was just the scrambles is where Kyler hurt them. He was uh, he scrambled four times for 37 yards. So, it's, you know, over nine yards per scramble. So that's that's obviously, you know tough to deal with, right? Like a quarterback that can, that can hurt you as a runner, both from a design run standpoint and also as a um, scrambler. And really, I think scrambling, it's almost even more dangerous because that means you've got to defend a pretty good supporting cast in terms of wide receivers and, and running backs and, get, you know, guys that can catch the football. And then you've also, you can't blitz him because if you blitz him, if you don't get him immediately, he's going to hurt you. You know what I mean? And he'll hurt you because he's being very decisive. When he decides to take off, it's just gone. You know what I mean? And, and he's fast. He's really, really fast. So let's talk about what he did as a passer against them in the previous meeting. So he went 34 of 48, completed almost 71% of his passes for 360 yards. That's seven and a half yards per attempt, had three touchdowns and one pick. So, and as I mentioned, 67 yards and a touchdown on the ground. So he had four total touchdowns and, um, you know, obviously, man, it's it's an issue dealing with him on the ground. But an interesting thing that I looked over, right? If I think that we all remember, you know, watching that game and late in that game, Chase Edmonds had a few runs where he really got loose and he kind of actually won them the game to be honest, like with the, he got them in the field goal range on both the final drive of regulation and the overtime drive that they ultimately won the game on. So when I looked at it, I see Chase Edmonds had five carries for 58 yards for the game. And I'm like, wow, okay, because that was the game Kenyon Drake got hurt in. And then they had to kind of turn to Evan, or Edmonds and he kind of delivered for them in a big way. But his last three carries, which was one was on the final drive of regulation and then the other two were on uh, the game-winning drive in overtime. He had 53 of his 58 yards on those runs. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because this Seattle run defense, like I said before or earlier in the podcast, is a very good run defense. So when you look at 
what the Cardinals were doing on the ground before Edmonds got loose on those on those last three runs. They had just um, 30 carries for 103 yards. And this is including in with Kyler and everything. You know, 30 carries for 103, that's just a 3.4 yard per carry average. And the running backs in this game in that game went 19 carries for 37 yards if you exclude the um, late Edmonds runs. So that to me is very interesting. And when you look at the reason why, well, Arizona ran 81 offensive plays in that game. So when you look at it, it's like the the final, you know, the the few times that Edmonds kind of got loose and and that sort of manipulated the numbers, that was on like play 75, you know, that the defense had been on the field. So I'm not making excuses for Seattle, but I'm just saying in large part, their run defense held up just fine. I mean, they smothered Kyler Murray when they called design runs. He held him to just uh, 3.2 yards per carry. And other than a couple of big runs from Edmonds, I mean, it was a 12-yard run, a 32-yard run, and a 19-yard run that Edmonds had. So that's what uh, kind of like made it look like a little bit worse than than it really was for the majority of the game, at least from a down-to-down consistency basis. Now, there's nothing to take away from Chase Edmonds. He gashed them in a big-time moment and basically won the game for Arizona. So um, I think that, as always, and at least in my breakdowns, running the ball is going to matter. It's going to be an important aspect of this game. So Russell Wilson, we touched on him earlier. I just don't think he's going to continue to turn the ball over. There's literally like no evidence that suggests that that will continue because we've just never seen it like this, right? Um, and so in the last game, Russell was, he completed 66% of his passes. I'm talking the last game against Arizona for 7.8 yards per attempt, had 388 yards and three touchdowns, but he also had three interceptions. So, I mean, if he takes better care of the ball, honestly, if he just throws two interceptions, they probably win that game. Uh, he also ran the ball six times for 84 yards, and five of those six runs came on scrambles, which resulted in 50 yards. So he was running at 10 yards of scramble as well. Near Kyler was about nine, but still. So both of these guys can hurt you in that way. And I think that if Seattle is going to remain one-dimensional, the Wilson scramble game is going to have to be an integral part of their game plan and, and just kind of how they move the ball because Arizona's, as we found out, is actually pretty good. Um, at everything other than defending the run. So in that case, I think Russ would would definitely hurt them with the scrambles, and he probably will anyways. But um, Arizona was able to pressure Wilson on 28% of his dropbacks 16 times in that, in that game a few weeks ago, and they sacked him twice. Russell Wilson also had a season-worst nine, and this is a weird stat, it's called bad throws. So he had nine bad throws in that game, which was the most he's had in any game this season. And that's via pro football reference. Um, they they have a lot of really cool um, advanced stats, and I like to use those. So bad throws, obviously, is going to be a sub- subjective stat. It's not, it's not a factual one, but, um, you know, I think more all in all, that's probably – accurate you know or at least most of them right the fact that he had more than he's had in any other game to me matters and it's because of the way that the Cardinals were able to pressure him I mean that last interception he threw to Isaiah Simmons was was a bad decision and throw in my opinion so 
Um, the Rams last week were able to pressure Russell on 30% of his dropbacks, and they sacked him six times a season high for Russell. Russell hasn't been sacked six times all year. The Rams got him six times. In that game, Seattle called just 14 run plays compared to 49 passes. So this is why I'm just thinking, I'm looking at everything, and I'm just saying, like, it's not working, right? When you look at the last six games, Russell hasn't been he hasn't been effect nearly as effective and he's been turning the ball over a lot more and he's he was pressured in, in his last five games been pressured 62 times that's 31.4 percent of dropbacks um for context daniel jones currently is the most pressured quarterback in the nfl and he's only at 29.6 so russell's on pace to you know basically be the most pressured quarterback by at least almost two percent Right. So that's that is um, very worrisome. And then when you look at just in years past, right, a lot of Seattle fans and the analytics community get get upset. They're like, let Russ cook. You know, why are why are you guys running the ball so much? And the main reason is because they were protecting him with the run game. You know what I mean? That That's what they've always done. They've consistently protected him with the run game. And it's not because he's not a good quarterback. He is a great quarterback. I honestly think he's at least second best in the NFL right now. Um, but but like I keep saying, when you don't have balance, it makes you a lot more, a lot easier to defend, right, in any way. And, and if you're a quarterback without an offensive line and the opposing defenses don't have to worry about the run, well, now they're just coming after you. You know what I mean? And even as mobile as Russell Wilson is, when you're pressured on 31% of your dropbacks, you, it's, it, you know, you're going to make some, quote, bad throws, right? You're going to make some bad throws. You're going to take some bad sacks. You're going to make some bad decisions. And that's kind of what we saw in that Arizona game. And that's what we've seen since then and, and really a little bit before then as well. So I don't know. I think that that is a gigantic factor in this game. And to me, the only way to mitigate this Arizona pass rush, which they've shown they can be aggressive and, and get after Russell, you know, in their last game, they have to balance it up. They've got to run the football. I don't care what running back you've got playing. You just need to, you need to hand the ball off some, right? And I, and I honestly just have a hard time believing that Pete Carroll wouldn't do that because it's in his DNA and, and what he wants to do anyways. So to me, after seeing what's, you know, how much pressure Russell's been under lately and kind of the results of that, I, I'd be shocked if Pete Carroll, even if it's not in this game, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get back to uh, that more run first or at least more emphasized run play mentality. I mean, 14, when I say last week they called just 14 run plays, I'm talking, I'm not counting the Russell Wilson scrambles because I think he had eight for 60 in that game, but Running backs or design run plays only happened 14 times compared to 49 passes last week. And they got smoked by the Rams. Only scored three points in the second half. You know, they, they, Russell was under a ton of pressure, sacked six times, like I said. So that to me is kind of like that coupled with the fact that you've already played this Arizona defense once before. And you're, you watch Russell turn it over three times and, be you know under pressure almost 30 percent of dropback so i think that those kind of uh that's my reasoning for thinking that this will be the game that seattle runs the ball more and i think that it's really by necessity so anyways here are my keys to victory for each team seattle 
Russell, do not turn the ball over, right? No turnovers. Let's try that. A um, Also, obviously, a balanced attack. Run, you know, at least 60-40 run pass, somewhere in that range. And then when you when you pass rush against Russell um, against uh, Kyler Murray, they have to be aware that where he really hurt them was with the scrambles. Now, they could take a patriot like approach to this and just say, "Hey, we're not going to get pressure. That's fine. So we'll rush two or three guys and just take our chances that way." And that's actually, to me, not a bad way to play against this Cardinals team because. Murray has not been a consistently effective passer. He hasn't, you know, he just hasn't been that. So I think that um, that's not a bad approach. I think we'll see some of that. And I think the other thing they could do is potentially just blitz him, bring some, bring some um, defensive backs, you know, on, on, I mean, Jamal Adams is perfect for him because Jamal didn't play in the last game. So uh, some guys that can at least, keep up with him a little bit but what I was mainly getting at there is when you do pass rush against this guy especially I mean really with any anyone whether it's a blitz or just your defensive ends you have to stay disciplined you cannot let him outside the pocket and you cannot lose contain against him because he's just going to kill you in that in that scenario so those are my three keys to victory for Seattle and then on the Arizona side of things they need to be balanced of course because I mean, the running backs need carries. Like we saw last week, they can be effective when they're when they're given carries. And Chase Edmonds proved um, the previous game against Seattle that that he can uh, he can find some ways to hurt this this Seattle defense. So they need to run effectively and be balanced. They need to, as I mentioned, the Seattle defense is you know quote unquote awful as they are, as everyone says. Don't put the ball in harm's way against them if you're Arizona because they are opportunistic. They dropped an interception in the last game against Kyler, they intercepted him once, but they also dropped at least one other one. And to me, that's something they don't normally do. They don't, they don't drop the ball, right? They don't, when they get a chance to, to pick it off or recover a fumble, they, they typically do. Right. So I think that um, Kyler needs to make sure he does not give them an opportunity. Don't put the ball in harm's way. And then the third thing is for the Cardinals to key to victory. They need to limit, or even if they can, eliminate the big plays. They need to make Russell move the ball down the field in eight to 12 play drives. If you if you want to score touchdowns against us, it's not going to be anything big. You're going to have to be patient. You kind of force patience out of him. And I say that because Russell Wilson is at his best when he's able to just throw that beautiful deep ball and kind of just you know, like the Steph Curry, if you force Steph Curry to shoot no no three-pointers and just kind of take it to the hole every time, I think you've got a better chance than letting him just cross you over and shoot a deep three, right? Like, so for, for the Cardinals defense, I think you need to make Russell earn it every play. Don't give him those big deep ball, kind of like let him off the hook plays. Not that Russell can't beat you in any way. Of course he can, but I'm just saying – that's something that uh, I think will really work in their favor if they're able to if they're able to do that. So obviously, getting pressure on them would be important. Stopping the Seattle run game to me is also another big one because if you can get him into a scenario like he was in last week, where he you know forty nine pass plays to fourteen run plays, well, that's going to work in your favor pretty uh, substantially. So that's my keys to victory for each team. Now, as far as what I think will happen. Look, I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks, man. They're at home. They just lost to Arizona. Something about this combination of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll 
just equals championship pedigree. They've had it for years since they won their Super Bowl, really. And um, they still have it. You know, and the Cardinals in a big game like this, another prime time on a short week, they are coming off of a emotionally driven big time win against the Bills where they, you know, everybody saw that last play and all that. But I think that this game is going to be, I'm not saying it'll be all Seattle, but I think Seattle is going to come out very serious in this game and they're, and they're going to get on top early and kind of just the vintage Seahawks is what I see this being like a, not a dominant victory, but a just where they're in control from start to finish. It'll be close. Arizona will make, you know, Arizona might take the momentum away from Seattle on a one or two occasions in this game, but I think ultimately it's a Seattle game and I think they win 31 to 24. 31-24 Seattle. So that's actually going to be the under. It would be a Seattle cover though. Now, would I bet on the over-under in this game? Absolutely not. But I just kind of, that's the final score I see coming. And honestly, I could even see it being like 28-24. Yeah, I'm almost going to change my my pick. But I'm going, I'm going to stick with 31-24. Uh, that's my first instinct. So 31-24 Seattle is my final prediction. I think I just trust Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll a little bit more in these big games. And with all the heart that the Arizona Cardinals team has shown, and they when they get down, they just don't care. They keep battling. So I don't think that you know they're going to lose by double digits or anything like that, but I definitely am taking the Seahawks in this game. So I appreciate you guys for listening, and I will see you soon. Later.